Well, good morning. We're so glad that you're with us today. We're going to be continuing our series, which we've titled One Commandment, Learning to Love. We've been looking at the Ten Commandments over this summer, and we've been learning that these rules were actually given to the Israelites from God right after they were freed from the Egyptians because God wanted them to know how to love Him and how to love one another. And these rules, they're all about the good life. The, the full life. And so we have come to the seventh commandment mm-hmm. and that is found in Exodus twenty fourteen, And it simply reads this, you must not commit adultery. Now, if you're single, you may be thinking in this moment, whew, this message isn't going to be for me today. And you might be tempted to check out. Don't do that. If you're married and you have no plans on committing adultery, you might also be thinking that maybe you're exempt from this one, but we promise there's a message in here for you today. Perhaps if you've struggled in this area and you have deep shame, you may be feeling hopeless and we promise that there's hope for you today. This morning, we are going to be talking about adultery and sex and purity. My name is Julie and this is my husband, Mike, and together we are the co-senior pastors here. Now, if you suddenly had an awkward feeling just jump up in you, I just want to like highlight the fact that in first service, our oldest son, who's a freshman in high school, had to sit through his parents talking about sex to a large group of people. So if he can do it, you all can do this really well. You're welcome, high schoolers. It's going to be great. (laughs) Well, whatever your feelings on this commandment or what it stirs up in you, I just uh, want to encourage you again, we're going to continue to look deeper. Like many of the other commandments, there's more here than meets the eyes. There's an invitation to a rich and full and satisfying life behind this principle. And our message today is titled, A Lesson in Purity. And we're going to learn what purity is and why it's Mm -hmm. so important. And we just want to give a disclaimer and a content warning today that we're going to covering some mature themes. So if you have kids in here, I encourage you, you may want to check them into Kingdom Kids. Like this may be a good opportunity to really check that out if you haven't yet. I just want to just let you know that's what's happening. There's a great service designed just for them. Uh, so we wanted to let you know. And we also want to note that as we talk about sex and sexuality, that this is a topic that's complicated and layered. And we don't sit here today claiming to be sex experts, therapists, counselors. We're two people who've been married for 19 years, and we have four kids, so we know we're doing something right at least. (laughs) That's got that. We've learned a lot about this topic along the way, good and bad, but we have studied the scriptures, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And we do want to share with you today God's plan for sex. As pastors, we've seen far too many people who have been whether they're older adults, younger adults, single, married, widowed, divorced, it doesn't matter, who aren't living in God's best plan for the fullness and freedom in their lives. And Well, you just kind of feel the tension in the room with an intro like that. I mean, some of you may be thinking, this is the Sunday I chose to come to church. Others of you may be thinking, this is the Sunday I invited my friend to join me. And yes, it is. It you is. did. Well done. Um, good job. But we promise we have good news. We love you. And we are on this journey with you. And so with that, we would need to invite the Holy Spirit to come and be our teacher and give us ears to hear what he has for us today. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're already here. 
that where we are gathered, you are here. And so we thank you that you are our teacher, you are our guide, and you want to show us what you have for each and every one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the commandment simply says, you must not commit adultery. And if we're honest, adultery isn't necessarily a word that we use a lot frequently in conversation, but the word adulterate means to corrupt, debase, or make impure. And so the instruction here is that we are commanded to be faithful to one another in marriage. Unfaithfulness in marriage corrupts what God has declared holy, a union between a man and a woman. And what happens when we participate in adultery is that there's a violation, not just against the individuals, but against the family unit and ultimately the community. There is a ripple effect that happens when we engage in adultery. And as we've seen with the other commandments, God cares deeply how we treat one another as fellow image bearers, how we love one another. And just like last week, we're actually going to return to the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in the book of Matthew, where Jesus is gonna expand on the seventh commandment He's actually going to invite us into deeper obedience with these words. This is Matthew 5, 27 and 28. You have heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Whoa. Do you ever read a passage of the Bible and think, what does that mean? Jesus is raising the standard here for us. What he's doing is he's actually calling out the deeper issue in our hearts of lust. Just like last week, we learned that anger is really behind our desire to murder. What we see here is that lust is behind the act of adultery. And so I think we need to define what is lust. Well, according to the dictionary, lust is an unusually intense or unbridled sexual desire. It's an intense longing, a craving. And in this context, Jesus is helping us to understand that lust seeks to control and corrupt our hearts and our minds. Lust creates desires that are out of order for God's design in our lives. Just like anger becomes dangerous when we partner with it, when we indulge in it, when we let it control our actions, it's the same with lust. So we might have a lustful thought, but when we choose to let our minds follow the path of lust by dwelling on it, by indulging it, by letting it control our behavior, that's when we have partnered with something that is out of God's authority and it is a sin. Right. And Jesus notes that the origin of lust is actually tied. He ties it to our eyes. He's tied to what we take in. Mm -hmm. And that becomes that thing that we partner with. And, and I also want to clarify here, Jesus isn't saying that the act of adultery and lust are exactly the same thing. What he's pointing out is, and helping us understand is that both adultery and lust are equally problematic and prohibited by this commandment specifically. Yeah. So some people, right, they only keep from adultery because they're, they're worried about being caught in it. But in their hearts, they're partnering with the, the spirit and heart of lust and adultery every day. So it's good that they're not doing the act, but it's problematic and difficult because they're, they're choosing to let their heart be filled with this. And Jesus wants our hearts in alignment with our actions. We talked about this last week, right? 
It's tied to our hearts. And the goal of the gospel isn't just to manage sin, but to defeat it and live in the life that Jesus paid for. It's not just about keeping consequences at bay. Rather, it's about living the full and abundant life that Jesus has for us. Because remember, Jesus told us that number one commandment is love. And so when we look and view each commandment, we're to view it through that lens of love. And when we look at lust, it is a counterfeit to love. See, lust is all about what can I get for myself? And love is about caring for others first. So it changes the way that God intends for us to view that. And then Jesus uses some really graphic examples, right? Of like how serious this is. Like, you know, if your eyes causing you sin, gouge it out or cut off your hands. And to be clear, Jesus is not speaking literally here. Unfortunately, there are those throughout history who have taken this quite literally. There's a famous story uh, of a well-known Christian named Origen from early church history who literally castrated himself in the pursuit of purity, taking this principle completely literally. So I can tell you, I, for one, am highly motivated to better understand what Jesus is saying here in this passage. And we will, we will, okay? So the question right now is how can we live out this commandment? How can we embrace this commandment? And we believe that what the Holy Spirit has shown us this week is that we need to put off lust and we need to pursue purity. That's for every single person, no matter your age or your stage. So when you hear that word purity, what images or or what definitions come to mind? I I think that this word purity, it actually has confused many of us because we think of it as a a more singular thing, like something that we had and then we don't have. But instead we're gonna discover that purity actually is a lot different than that. How many of you uh, are familiar with the term purity culture? Anybody? Okay, a few of you. So Mike and I were raised in the 1990s and this was a huge movement within the church where uh, young people were encouraged to not have sex until they were married. And there were a lot of different things that were in this culture. There were books that were promoted, a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye, which was all about you don't date, you you only court. Uh, There were one night events, True Love Waits events. I went to the Virginia Theater and Rebecca St. James was there and you did a whole pledge. Um, There were purity rings where where girls would wear purity rings, pledging to stay pure until they were married. Um, It was a whole thing. But unfortunately for some people, this really damaged their view and understanding of sex because purity culture overemphasized what girls wore and put a lot of pressure on girls keeping boys from lusting instead of calling boys to a higher standard. It also made promises of great sex if you follow God's plan. It was rather formulaic. There was a lot of encouragement towards behavior management and not really understanding the heart behind God's plan for our sexuality. It was performance-based. And what ended up happening was that as many people struggled and didn't have the tools they needed to walk out the gift of sexuality, uh, they ended up feeling incredibly damaged and feeling like there was no hope if they messed up. Yeah, and many people have shared how this experienced with this purity culture, uh, it confused or damaged them. And often it's guilt and shame that are expressed as things that are kind of a hallmark of that. And if that was your experience, a purity culture, it it damaged you. We want to say, first of all, like, we're really sorry. We don't want that to be your experience. The the church too often has made a mess of trying to address this topic. So you can pray for us as we try to address this topic today. And we know that those those feelings, that guilt and shame, that's not God's best. That's not God's plan for how we do this. To be clear, the message of what it was trying to convey was good but it was the methods that often left people feeling hurt and shamed in that process. It was a good lesson for us that a good message 
can be harmful if we're not careful in the methods that we employ to help people understand it in that way. And that leads us to a couple of questions. Like, what is purity then? Why is purity important? What does purity look like? And interesting, when you, when you ask Google to define purity, it says freedom from adulteration. So it, you see how that's really hitting what we're talking about. And so we're describing purity this way. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna read this here. Purity is a posture. It's a commitment to wholeness and holiness. It's an ongoing choice to submit our lives to God's kingdom order. And I wanna be clear here, it's important that we catch, this is an ongoing choice. Yeah. Yeah, we often think of it as something that's a static thing and once lost is gone. But no, this is about stewarding something that God has given us and it's ongoing. When we mess up, God is a redeeming God and he wants to bring us back and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that today. So as we pursue and practice purity, it helps us navigate our lives in lots of different ways. And we're gonna specifically look how it affects our sexuality today. Because as humans, we're created by God. We've been made to be sexual beings. That's part of God's design and plan for us. That's why it's important that we talk about it. That's, that's why purity is also so important because it's a key to living out God's order in our lives. It's foundational to helping our hearts align with our actions. See, God's ideal is that each person would live in this, the freedom of this plan for purity, right? Free from shame and pain and guilt and all the things that we see are so rampant in regards to our sexuality and culture today. So when we embrace the kingdom life, the rightly ordered life, putting off lust and pursuing purity, what we see is good fruit. It's fruit of righteousness and peace and joy. And this freedom, I wanna encourage you, it's for every single one of us. We are all called to steward a single, married, widow, divorced, remarried, whatever the stage of life you find yourself in today, young or old, all of us are called to learn this lesson of purity. And the good news is we don't do this alone. Jesus has a plan and he wants to do it with us in this. Now, there's lots of different factors that affect how we view and understand our sexuality, from how we were raised, what we were taught or not taught, uh, generation we grew up in, our faith, or maybe our lack of faith. All of those things impact how we view and understand sex. See, growing up, I'm really grateful for the, the family that I grew up in. My parents did model uh, what, uh, what sex was meant to be in good and in the context of marriage. We maybe didn't talk about it as openly uh, as, we, as, as we could have, but I did have a, a good understanding of God's plan for this. And I'm deeply grateful for both my family and my faith and how they helped, helped me shape and understand well, I am the daughter of Happy and Diane Lehman, our founding pastors. And in our house growing up, my parents spoke very openly about sex, sometimes too openly about sex. I remember being a teenager and just cringing at the thought of knowing that mom and dad had sex and liked having sex. But now, as an adult... You still cringe a few times today. I, I still like, do It cringe. still happens sometimes, yeah. But now okay. as an adult, I actually deeply appreciate the fact that they helped me understand the gift that is our sexuality. I grew up knowing that this was a gift from God, that it was meant to be fun and pleasurable inside the context of marriage. Now, I'll admit that when it came to, as I got older and I was making my own choices, I will admit that fear was one of the things that drove my choice, my choices, uh -huh. because I was an athlete. I didn't want to get pregnant. Um, sports were very important to me. I was also afraid of my parents. I, I didn't want to disappoint them. Yeah. And I wanted to be a good girl. And so those were things that motivated me, but I am deeply grateful for the role that my parents played. And I just want to say, if you're a parent, Parent, you absolutely must engage with your children. This is a very important topic that we are helping them understand. 
And so we asked today, what's your story when it comes to this topic? What things shaped you? What did your environment teach you? Maybe you grew up in a silent environment where sex was never talked about. Maybe you grew up in a saturated environment where sex was everywhere and it didn't seem sacred or special. Maybe you grew up more in a conflicted environment where you were you know, told like, well, once you get married, it's gonna be amazing, but shame on you for even having a thought, like don't be curious, but it's gonna be amazing as soon as you get married. And oftentimes when we're in that conflicted environment, what ends up happening is we feel like we're living a double life. Yeah. There are many factors that shape our view and understanding of sex. And we want to take a moment and just acknowledge that abuse has deeply shaped many people's view and understanding of sex. And our heart breaks because this is not God's plan. This was not God's will. This was not, you know, his plan for your life in this area. That abuse breaks his heart. And we believe that the Holy Spirit is here today to bring healing and hope and restoration if that's been part of your story. Um, we know that that is not God's will. And so if that is part of your story and that's shaped your sexual ethic, we, we know that that's a complicated and layered topic and issue. And we're here for you. We're here to listen. Yeah. You know, and, and because the church has often stumbled in how and, and the ways that we communicate this posture and beauty we're called to, the result is that the enemy has taken advantage of that. And he's given culture a louder voice in schooling our sexuality rather than the church. And the church is God's chosen vehicle for this. So we know the enemy works hard to make us stumble through this. And so that's why we want to be careful as we communicate Mm -hmm. what and what we communicate in all of this. And again, we're sorry for where the church has gotten it wrong for you, where you maybe have been hurt or damaged. And our heart is that today we would be healing. And this would be a place where there's forgiveness and healing uh, in uh, in this message. Because see, the, the message from culture today is it's a rather twisted one. It says explore, indulge, get to know yourself. It's your body, right? So the sexuality is seen as very individualistic and personal and, 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 and private, and I get to decide. It says figure out what you want and what satisfies you, that that's the most important thing. So things like friends with benefits, totally normal, right? One night stands, totally fine. Apps that are designed just to connect people sexually, that's seen as just a convenience, that's great. And meanwhile, the, the Bible and the church are portrayed uh, as outdated, as a place of condemnation and shame, and it's dismissed as unnecessary and unneeded. See, the irony is the culture's emphasis on freedom and exploration has led to great sexual confusion and brokenness. So let's take a moment today. Let's take an inventory of our own life. We're all dealing with this in some way. And you don't have to tell anybody else right now. We're not asking you to do that, but let Jesus speak to you? What are the thoughts that he brings to you? How are you doing with your sexuality? For many of us, there's, there's a lot of brokenness that comes with this. We believe about, about what we believe about sex and our sexuality. Take the problem of, of pornography, right? Viewing and consuming sexual content and images for personal gratification. It's highly addictive. Mm-hmm. It deeply messes with our understanding of sex. It feeds our idea that we can consume one another, which is really problematic. And it creates unrealistic expectations and devalues this purity that that God has for this. And the statistics on pornography are staggering. Barna Research, which is a large research group, had done a study that says 40 million Americans are going to porn sites regularly. And it says people not, in this, people not only consume porn, they don't see it as a problem. And in that that same research, they, they looked at and said that people saw not recycling as more of a moral issue than viewing pornography. 
that's the state that we're in culture that with which we look. Culture tells us it's not a problem. It doesn't hurt to look. And we've convinced ourselves in that, that other people want to be consumed. So lust becomes the norm in that mindset. And as we've talked and prayed with so many people, men and women who are addicted, their lives, their relationships, their marriage are all damaged, impacted, and distorted by this very issue. Yeah, and so I think we need to be honest. We need to reflect on our habits and our hangups in this whole area because we believe that there is hope. There is not condemnation, but rather there is freedom. We believe that God has a plan for our lives in this area. And we want to explore that plan together. And again, we want to say we understand we have a very diverse church, many different stages and seasons of life, but each of us has been gifted with our sexuality. And each of us must learn the lesson of purity, putting off lust and pursuing purity. And so we want to take a moment now to look at God's plan. You know, have you ever thought about this? God must enjoy pleasure. Think about this for a second. You have taste buds. You can taste a whole bunch of different things. You can taste sweet things and salty things and sour things and savory things. God could have chosen any other form to nourish us. And yet he made us capable of uh, of experiencing pleasure. And I love to think about this. I am a chocolate chip cookie girl. Is there anything better than a fresh chocolate chip cookie and a glass of ice cold milk? I mean, just the the taste bud combination of that is just amazing. God enjoys stay with us. Now they are going to have to stay with us. It's dangerous. We believe that God gave us a sex drive so that we would desire to have sex, so that we would procreate and yes, enjoy pleasure. God's initial commandment to Adam and Eve in the garden was go forth and multiply. So he gave each of us a desire to know and be known physically and spiritually and emotionally. Now, like all desires, this desire has to be stewarded because sex has the ability to bond two people together, together, body, soul, and spirit. And this is why God created sex to be experienced in the safety of marriage. Why do we need safety in sex? Because sex is incredibly intimate. Mm -hmm. You're incredibly vulnerable. And so God created it to be between a man and a woman in the safety of marriage. In Genesis, we learn that God created man and woman in his image. Man, uh, Adam, was created first and he was created in the image of God. And then God took part of Adam and created Eve. Both men and women represent different facets of God's image the masculinity of men and the femininity of women, uh, they are just different parts of God that are represented in humanity. And then God planned that Adam and Eve would be joined together in a marriage union where the two would become one. This is what Genesis 2, 24 and 25 tells us. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. You see, God intended for Adam and Eve to have sexual relations. He's not surprised by sex. No. I think sometimes we think like he's surprised. He created it. (laughs) He created us as sexual beings to have sex with one another. He created men and women to fit together, resulting in pleasure and passion and yes, procreation. So God's plan for sex is in marriage between a man and a woman, plentiful and pleasurable. That's God's plan. Adam reflects part of the image of God and Eve reflects another part of the image of God. And in coming together inside the covenant of marriage, something beautiful happens, a unique expression of the image of God. So your desire to have sex is in part because you were designed to image him to the world. This is part of your created purpose. And so it's more than just wanting to have a baby or wanting to enjoy pleasure, although that is part of it. 
one of the reasons you want to have sex is because it is an act of worship. As you come together, you are actually imaging God. And this is why God takes sex so seriously. Now, if you're single uh, and not having sex, that doesn't mean that you can't image God because we image God in many different ways. What we are trying to say though, is that sex is a unique expression of imaging God that was designed. Yeah, his design for sex was inside the marriage covenant without shame, right? But the enemy has once again distorted and stolen this for some of us. Maybe we've experienced shame around our sexuality, things that were done to us that weren't God's will, places we've lived outside God's plan, where we've got tangled up in the lies that culture tells us about this topic. All of that brings confusions to our lives. And so when you see when Adam and Eve first sinned in that story, the first thing they experienced was shame. And often it's that same shame that we're experiencing around this when we're violating God's intention for our sexuality, for our image uh, that, we, that we bear in him. And the hope today is that there's freedom. Living in God's intention for sexuality and pursuing purity brings freedom from this shame. See, he designed sexuality to express our union with him, as Julie said, as image bearers lived out between man and a woman in the covenant of marriage and anything else becomes a violation of God's best plan for our lives. See, I, think, I believe clarity is kindness here. That may not be easy to hear. It may not be what you want to hear. And we know this is a tender topic. You may have questions. I wanna let you know we love you. We're on this journey with you. And our goal today is not condemnation, but freedom. See, freedom in Christ means we get to live from this brand new identity that he's given for us, that he's paid for us, in full surrender to his heart and his will for us. See, God cares so deeply about family. And often the Bible says he cares about us as his children Mm -hmm. in this. That's why we often talk about the church as the family uh, of God. And so God commands us, do not commit adultery because adultery is a poison that can destroy families. It's destructive because it violates covenant and God is such a God of covenant. And this idea of covenant is a solemn commitment guaranteeing the fulfillment of promises or obligations between two parties or two people. And so marriage is a covenant that's lived out between Mm -hmm. a man and a woman, two image bearers of God. And there's lots of covenants that we see in the Bible from God and his people to Jesus and his church. And then there's man and wife. And this is the only covenant that he actually compares. This union where two become one is the only place he compares it to that same union we have with Christ. So it's a really, really important thing that we have here. And so as we learn again to love one another, part of God's plan is that we learn to honor and love this idea of marriage. And as Julie shared, the the root of adultery is lust. See, we're inundated by images, videos, shows, all pushing the narrative that exploring and having fun, doing whatever you want, do what feels good. And the result is a world that is consumed by lust. It propels acts of contempt. It's where we see people as consumable. It's maybe the, the simplest way to understand lust is this idea of disordered desire, right? Lust is this poison that can destroy lives. And so we're going to explore how we can put off lust and pursue the antidote, which is purity.
Yeah, we don't want to just follow the letter of the law. We want to get to the heart behind it. And so each of us is charged with this, to put off lust and pursue purity. And just as a reminder, purity is a posture. It's a commitment to wholeness and holiness. It's an ongoing choice to submit our lives to God's kingdom order. And there are actually many different things that we can do in our lives to pursue purity, but we wanted to keep it simple. So for today, we have two things that we want to encourage each and every person to do. First is that we must say yes to Jesus. Pursuing purity begins by believing and receiving Jesus. Without Jesus, there is no hope for purity. And the good news is this, when you say yes to Jesus, this is what the Bible says. It says we are made right. We are holy. We are cleansed. Past, present, and future sins have been forgiven and forgotten. This is the message of the gospel. And so often, I think in this area, what we do is we try to manage it ourselves. And the invitation today is to receive what Jesus has done for us. Come on. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to receive our new identity and we're going to learn to live in that identity through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to invite him to convict us, to correct us, and to take us on a journey where he's teaching us, that's not for you, protecting us, showing us the way. For some of you today, you may need to receive Jesus for the very first time. And we would love to pray for you to do this because without Jesus, we can't do this. Others of us, we've received Jesus, but maybe even as we've shared today, condemnation has filled your heart. You're feeling some shame. And we want to invite you today to just receive a fresh, um, a fresh reminder of God's goodness and his forgiveness for you. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves what Jesus has done for us. Sometimes we, we need to actually allow the Holy Spirit to speak his forgiveness over our hearts freshly again. I'm gonna go to 1 Corinthians 6 because Paul talks about pursuing purity here. And it's a beautiful passage. I don't have time to read it all, but I'm gonna start with verse 11. So Paul's talking to people and he's explaining like, you used to be, you know, you used to be bad, but this is what happened. In verse 11, a little bit in, it goes, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Now I'm gonna jump down to the second part of 13. You can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that our bodies are actually part of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say the two become one. The two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. Mm. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. You must honor God with your body. Yeah, this is so good. There is so much you can pull from this passage. We could probably do it a whole other sermon series yeah. just out of this. Uh, and this. And I encourage you to go back, read through these verses this week in your quiet time, in your devotions, as you read the Bible. Just concentrate on what God has to say here. The message is so clear in this uh, as we look at this. And again, we're reminding, we're looking at two ways that we can pursue purity because we wanna concentrate on just a few things today. And the first thing, as Julie mentioned, is believing and receiving in Jesus. And we see Paul focusing on that here in these verses, right? He says, we've been made right and holy. And the second thing we can do to pursue purity is to run from sexual sin, right? 
So, right, we're pursuing purity by running from sexual sin. That's a good visual, right? To run. Don't walk. Don't skip. Run from this, right? And thankfully, this is not physical running, but spiritual running. Why? Because I'd be really slow, and this would not be good if it was physical. So, God has a plan, and he redeems it all. It's so good. See, but what we're understanding here is that there is no other sin that so clearly affects both the body and the spirit. Mm -hmm. Right? Sometimes we do think God's just more angry about sexual sin. And sometimes that's the message that people hear. Oh, God must really hate sex. Well, that's not really the truth. The reality is he knows sexual sin breaks and hurts us more because it's both against and within our body and our spirit. He knows it actually just hurts us more and he wants to protect us. Mm -hmm. So he says, run from sexual sin. And that means running or not consuming pornography. It means not putting ourselves in places where we're gonna be tempted to engage in sex outside of his plan. It means committing our lives to pursuing God's purity instead of following our own desires. This is how we put off lust. See, our bodies are a temple made first for God and his guidelines are about protecting us. His plan is full of freedom and peace and joy and pleasure. And lust, remember, is disordered desire. When we embracing and living in purity, that is rightly ordered desire. It's putting those things in their right place. So putting off lust and pursuing, pursuing purity is how we steward our sexuality. The commandments are all about helping us learn to love, learn to love others and learn to love God. And embracing the seventh commandment is really about learning that love triumphs over lust. Mm -hmm. The world tells us, experience your sexuality. And the father invites us to steward it. And the way that we steward our sexuality is we put off lust and we pursue purity, no matter your age or your stage. There's two steps that we gave you today that can help you pursue purity. Believe and receive Jesus and run from sexual sin. He knew that you could not do this on your own and the Holy Spirit is so faithful to help us. Yeah, it's so good. And, and God does, he wants you to have freedom. And, and I wanna be clear, it's never too late for freedom. Right? The lie that we can believe is that once purity is lost, it's gone forever. As we talked about, purity is a stewardship. It's an ongoing process. So wherever you're at, God is inviting you back to him. Mm -hmm. Not in condemnation, not in guilt, and not in shame. He's always pointing us to who he's made us to be, that brand new identity. That's where he wants you to live because he knows that's your best for you. So we believe purity can be restored and walked out no matter what your past has been like. We believe men and women can experience emotional, spiritual and sexual restoration. Yeah. Well, we want to end our time together today by sharing a story with you of Tanya and Lamar Schrock, uh, mostly because they have experienced God's feeling, healing and love and redemption in this area. Yeah. Tanya serves as our events director here and Lamar serves as our connection director. And this is their story. They grew up in Arthur, Illinois, and Tanya grew up in a Christian home attending Christian school. And so much of her sexual ethic was actually picked up from her environment. Her family didn't really talk a lot about sex, but she did learn that sex was between a man and a woman reserved for marriage. And she shared with me that there really wasn't a ton of pressure to have sex in high school because most of her friends really believed the same things and were taught the same things. But when she turned 21, she decided to take a walk on the wild side. And she walked away from her faith and grew distant from the Lord and began to party. And when she did that, she was around people who were engaging in sex. And she began to kind of question like, what's the big deal? They look like they're having fun. And so she decided to join in and begin having sexual relations, not realizing the implications that were down the road. You know, sex seemed fun and like it wasn't hurting her. Yeah. 
And Lamar, he was raised in the Amish faith. He remembers a talk that his mom gave him when he was about 10 or 11 years old. And it was mostly uh, mechanical and then an instruction to wait until marriage. And his mom never discussed with him the feelings, the temptations that would have to be navigated in pursuing purity. And so Lamar learned more from his friends, his cousins, older boys, and eventually began to, to learn and believe that, well, guys want it and girls will do it if you're good. While Lamar was a teen, he struggled with rejection and confidence though. So what happened is he actually developed unhealthy sexual habits of self-gratification and that caught him in a cycle it was really difficult to break out of. He did have several opportunities to have sex, but something would always happen to kind of ruin it. And admittedly, Lamar recognizes that not having sex before marriage was more about God's grace than it was an active choice in his life. Well, for three years, Tanya lived outside um, God's plan for her sexuality. And honestly, this choice left her feeling empty inside. And she shared that no matter how many times she did it or how many, you know, things she tried, she just, there was a void inside her that could not be filled. Shame was a constant companion each time she made the choice to have sex. And after some time, she just came to realize like, this isn't taking my life in a positive direction. I, I, don't, I don't like this. And she felt herself drawn back to God and she chose to engage in church once again. She chose to believe and receive Jesus, what he had done for her. And in his mercy and love, God met her in that season and began to fill her life with love and purpose. She decided to pursue purity. She ran from sexual sin and she made that decision to recommit that part of her life to the Lord um, and pursue purity. Shortly after that commitment, she ended up meeting Lamar and they began to date. And during this time, they actually began to attend the vineyard together. And that really helped them build common ground and refine their moral compass and help them begin to uh, build a life together. Right. And eventually they got married and it was happily ever after, no problems. (laughs) How'd you know or, that wasn't true, though? Or not. Married people in the room are like, I don't know what, what fantasy world they're living in. But See, learning to have the, a satisfying sex life, though, has been a journey for them. And honestly, things were really challenging. How they were raised, what they believed about sex, their habits, all of those things needed help because there's an ongoing process of stewarding your purity, no matter the stage that you're in. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit is so faithful to give them uh, to give us what we need. And after attending a conference that was hosted uh, here at the church uh, regards to marriage and intimacy, they began to better understand God's plan for their sex lives. They realized even in marriage, purity must be pursued because it's the key to stewarding our sexuality. Each of us has to put off lust and pursue purity. So as they embraced God's plan for sex, they learned so much and they enjoyed the beautiful benefits of what God designed for them. And this year, they'll celebrate 21 years of marriage together. Yes, give them a hand. They have three amazing kids and they're deeply committed to having an open and healthy dialogue about God's plan for sex. They want their kids to understand that sexuality is a gift that God gives, something to be stewarded, to be treasured. And they now have the joy of leading our marriage ministry and helping others discover what God's plan is all about. Yeah, and this October, they want to invite all married couples, no matter what season you're in, to consider joining them for our Love After Marriage Intensive, which is a three-day experience designed to help you deepen intimacy, build connections, and strengthen your marriage. Again, no matter if you've been married a month or you've been married 50 years, this is an amazing opportunity. This is the message that they want to share with us today. Put off lust and pursue purity. 
it is worth it. No one is too far beyond redemption. No one is exempt from God's mercy in this area. You can choose today to embrace God's kingdom order for your life in this whole area of purity. I'm gonna pray. Well, Jesus, we need your help. We need your Holy Spirit to fill us so that we can follow these instructions that you've given us to put off lust and to pursue purity, God, to learn the lesson of purity so that we can follow your best ways. And so Holy Spirit, just as we head into worship, we invite you to come with your spirit of compassion and conviction of hope and restoration. God, we pray that shame would lose its shackle on us, God. And so we say, come Holy Spirit and have your way in the rest of our time together today. In Jesus' name, amen.